Well, if you have God's word, we are we are continuing. We've been in the study, obviously, and and today is actually it's our our last uh, our last word on uh, this particular passage and this story that we've been in. And uh, so I want to invite you to turn to uh, uh, the book of Acts. You have the bulletin there in front of you. And so uh, we're going to uh, just be looking at that together this morning. And so we go to Acts chapter one. Uh, looking at verse uh, 29 and 30 in, in just a minute here. So I'll give you a chance to turn there. In Acts chapter 1, looking at, at verses 1, or verse 29 through 30. Um, how many of us agree that we all have problems in life? Okay. Uh, you know, uh, raise your hand if you can do that. How, how many of us agree that, you know, oftentimes we create our own problems, okay? Right? If we're honest. Uh, like the other day, I was out golfing with one of our members, Ch- uh, Chad Wolf. And uh, Chad was over in the rough in the grass kind of digging around over there. And I was standing there in the middle of the fairway. If you know, golf, golf a little bit. The, the shorter grass is called the fairway. And I'm in the fairway leaning on my, my club and, you know, by my ball there. And waiting, and Chad's over there, you know, kind of digging around there in the longer grass. And there was a twosome behind us, and that twosome was kind of becoming impatient. And so they yell at me. They said, hey, why don't you help your friend find his ball? And I said, oh, he has his ball. He's looking for his club. I mean, we make our own problems, our own troubles. I had to laugh uh, when I had a lady by the name of Gloria Carberry uh, came up to me uh, a few years ago when I was pastor in Florida. And she shared with me a funny story because I was I was making this kind of statement that, we, you know, we create our own problems. And she says, Pastor, you made me think of this story and I got to share this story with you. and I'm going to share it with you this morning. And and uh, she was a nurse for like 35 or 40 years. I mean, many years she was a nurse in RN. And she was telling about one day, one afternoon, this lady, about 50 years of age, was not responding well to medication. She was having some side effects and some crazy things were happening. And so uh, one afternoon, this lady came out of her room and she's pushing, you know, the stand with the IV. And she's got the, you know, the, the hospital robe thing on open in the back. And she's just yelling, I swallowed my watch. I swallowed my watch. I swallowed my watch. And so she gets her and she helps her back to her bed, you know, having these side effects happening. And. And so they thought, well, maybe she really did. And so they got the doctor and they took an x-ray. And sure enough, there was a watch in her stomach. And so uh, Gloria said, doctor, should we, uh, you know, do surgery? What do you want to do? How are we going to take care of this? And, and the doctor just smiled. He said, no. He says, let's just wait. <laughs> and sure enough, guess what? It came out shiny and new. And uh, Gloria, she said this, she elbowed me. She says, guess what, Pastor? It was the Timex and it was still ticking. <laughs> I tell you, uh, you know, we create our own tr- trouble, our own problems. And, you know, that, you know, sometimes they're just silly like that. And then sometimes, you know, they're, they're heavy. They're serious, right? And I don't know what you've brought with you today or what problems you've been wrestling with. But now we've been talking about the disrupted life, and I look at this man, the jailer, that's, you know, the focus in, in Acts chapter 16 here in verse 29. And remember, Paul and Silas, they'd been thrown in jail, they'd been beaten and thrown in jail, and their feet in stocks. And now the earthquake happens, the doors fly open, and then the jailer wants to kill himself because he's failing at his job. 
And then Paul yells, don't, you know, we're here for you. Remember the story. It just doesn't fold for us. And, and, and then we see in verse 29 and 30, his reaction after Paul yells at him, don't kill yourself. We're here for you. And here's where we pick up. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So imagine the jailer, his life has been turned inside out. His life has been turned inside out. He's in disarray so much so that he wants to kill himself. But now he hears this. Something's happening. The Holy Spirit is speaking and he's saying, what must I do to be saved? Now, the fact is, most of us are saved here in this room this morning. So so for us, maybe the right question, I mean, the jailer, the right question for the jailer was, what must I do to be saved? But I wonder, what is the right question for you this morning that are sitting here listening to this? And maybe the right question is, what does a, a spiritual awakening look like? What does it look like if if I, I was really living a life with the character of Jesus in me and, and the spirit of God was living in me and that that was a transformational experience, having his spirit living in me, God's spirit. And what would that look like? Or or maybe um, maybe the question would be, how should righteousness and holiness work its way out in my life if I believe in the holiness of God? And God says, be holy, therefore, as I am holy. What would it look like? I mean, if we were really on fire for Jesus Christ, remember sermon three of the series we described or we decided that the jailer had a conscious awakening. Remember, we talked about, you know, John Wesley and the warming in his bosom and the burning in his heart. And then he begins to work out this idea of a second work of grace, not just the first grace where we're born again, but the second work where the Holy Spirit comes in and we're filled by the Holy Spirit and baptized by the Holy Spirit. And we begin to live this life of holiness or Christian perfection because that's what God calls us to. John's Wesley. He's working all that out. And so I think it's good and right for us in, in this study as we begin to pull all the strings together and kind of wrap it up. If we look at what I want to call the eight signs of spiritual awakening. In fact, I, I believe uh, initiated by this passage or this story, really the full narrative. And of course, we, if we continue to read, this impacts the family of the jailer and they get saved and they, of course, help Paul and Silas. And you know the story. But as we look at this whole a narrative, there is there are, I believe, eight signs of spiritual awakening that I think we would uh, do well if we were to review this morning. I want to share them with you today. So go to verse twenty nine back there and look at that. The jailer falls trembling before Paul and Silas. In fact, in, in Psalm, the psalmist in chapter 59 writes of not only praising God, but notice, notice this, he, he writes of wanting to please God. So I referred to the psalmist last Sunday about praising God and worshiping God as Paul and Silas were. But notice the psalmist also is writing something about there in chapter 59 of pleasing God. We, we see this when I'm starting to talk about the eight signs of, of spiritual awakening. This is key. I mean, the behavior of the jailer. And then we go, go to Luke chapter 7 where the Pharisees invite Jesus over for dinner. And while he's reclining at the table, oh, what a, what a picture we have where he's reclining at the table. And there's the woman there. And in his presence, the presence of the Son of God, what happens? She begins to cry as she's there, you know, behind Jesus, sitting behind Jesus. And then she moves around and her crying and her tears. And the scripture 
scripture says that she wets his feet. If he's reclining over here, he wets his feet with her tears. And then she, he, she begins to wipe his feet with her hair and this process is happening and those in the room are watching this. And then after she wipes his feet with her hair, then she kisses his feet. And, and as you just imagine that happening, you can't help but have your heart move just a little bit. And then we have Jesus who says, listen to this. Jesus who says, after she's finished wiping and kissing his feet, Jesus says, Simon, look at this woman. She is forgiven. You are not. Why was the woman's sins forgiven? How was Simon falling short? I mean, think about that for a moment. How was Simon falling short? What was it in the woman's demeanor that opens this window of forgiveness of course, we're looking back at the demeanor of the jailer as he falls, you know, on his face there before Paul and Silas. There is something that's happening in that demeanor. And now we have the demeanor of the woman that's washing, you know, Jesus' feet with her tears and drying his feet with her hair and that same kind of demeanor. And we see this and see, this is the first sign of spiritual awakening church. And it is brokenness. Because you see, it's only in brokenness does the image of self cease. It's in brokenness the truth of God's love shines through. It is in brokenness that we experience the rebirth of God's image in us. When we're fully emptied out and we're fully cleaned and cleansed and we're fully prepared to be filled by the Holy Spirit, it's in brokenness that that process begins to happen. And then that leads us to the second sign of spiritual renewal or spiritual awakening, which is self-control. Notice the self-control, the jailer, he's under conviction. And so he turns the lights on and he rushes in. And so there's this action that's following the conviction. And, and what I want to say is that decision seems to follow conviction. Let me say that again. Decision seems to follow conviction as discipline follows obedience. Paul and Silas could have complained about their wounds. They could have complained about the pain they're in. I mean, I imagine in my mind's eye, I mean, think about it with me. I imagine that the last thing that Paul and Silas probably felt like doing was worshiping and praising God. But that's exactly what they do. They discipline themselves and they worship and they're praising God. And they're in self-control. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 6, we read, be alert and self-controlled. And then in in verse 8 of the same chapter, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith in love. And then we we remember Timothy, the churchman, is saying that self-control is worthy of respect. And then in in the summation of the fruits of the Spirit, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and there's the summation of all those fruits, it is in self-control. It's in self-control. A spiritual awakening is not just a renewed interest in God. Because we can have renewed interest, you know, maybe through great teaching or renewed interest in, you know, a, a big event or a program. But you see, spiritual awakening is not just a renewed interest about God. It, it, it is something that what follows is a commitment to the parts of self that we know that that are out of control. And maybe it might be our emotions. It might be our temper. It might it might be the fears that we're wrestling with. Proverbs, we read in one place where Proverbs The writer there writes, a wicked man flees, though no one pursueth. Why would he write that? A wicked man flees, though no one pursueth. Because we are, you know, haunted by our guilt or by the wrong that's in our life. And we're constantly looking over our shoulder. You see, spiritual renewal begins to touch in all this. And sometimes it's a a sudden awakening that is required. 
A sudden brokenness that is required for the work of God to really get done. Or maybe it is a slower process. It's a slow burn, so to speak, because the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to us and move us. And maybe it is lust or maybe it's something else that's out of control. Or, or maybe it's that we're surrounded by a world of hedonism or, or ill-gotten gain. Self-control is probably one of the most unpopular ideas to preach about, by the way. It's not real popular to talk about this because, you know, we're not perfect, we say. You know, nobody really cares. Um, We might begin to say or think, you know, hey, we only live once. I only live once. You know, I need to do, you know, what I want to do. Right? We, We start thinking this way and the enemy loves it because it gets us completely off track. Well, I want to encourage you because it is a process. It is a slow process. And, and what God is doing and working out in us. I, I remember as a kid, I had a button I got at church. It was a, a button that was about this big. It was uh, white. And I mentioned this once before a couple of years ago. And I remember it well. That's why I'm mentioning it again. And it's this white button. And on it had a bunch of letters, just a bunch of letters. And the letters were P. B P G I N F W M Y. And it's just like in like three, four lines tight and people try to sound it out. You can't sound it out. It's not a word. Each letter represents a word itself. And what the button meant was, please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. And what a, a great reminder, because, yes, it's a process and it's progress as the Holy Spirit is is teaching us. And spiritual awakening is beginning to happen. And, and part of the process, obviously, then is the next sign of the eight signs. The next sign, which is humility. And think about the idea of humility for a moment. I mean, for uh, centuries, honor and humility have been recognized by stooping and kneeling. And uh, respected oftentimes. Uh, in some cultures, maybe more than others. But, you know, it's, it's like, you know, humility is like... Uh, what I mentioned last week about a smile, that the smile or a smile is the same in, in, in every language, right? And so we see humility, it, it's, it's kind of the same way. It can be easily recognized. And now in my mind's eye, I'm imagining as the jailer rushes in, hey, turn the lights on. He rushes in and then he falls down on his knees. I imagine with his hands out and his head bowed. And I imagine he's in this humble position, I think of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount sitting on the side of that hill and saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, I've realized that the less our spirit gets in the way, the more that God's spirit can have his way. And that's so cliche, it's so simple, but we forget that. We forget that and our spirit begins to get in the way and that, that part of the victory for us in our spiritual walk is understanding this dynamic of, of humility, spiritual humility. I like this little, um, these lines, humility for the world is weakness. Humility in Christ is confidence in him. Humility for the world is empty of promise. Humility in Christ is the fulfillment of promise. Humility for the world sees it as being last place. Humility in Christ is the starting place of where God begins to do great things. Amen. I understand it's true that that good leaders show strength and confidence at every turn. But great leaders show strength in humility. 
And we see that example in Christ. And then we begin to understand that, okay, we can show unconditional love. And that's the next sign, by the way. The next sign of spiritual awakening is unconditional love, which is the very essence of of Christ's example to us in the crucifixion and, and the cross. And we understand the cross takes on many shapes. And yes, you have the symbol of the cross, but but you have the cross, so to speak, in our life that takes on so many different shapes. And and it's in our time, it's in our attention that we give. And sometimes that we sacrifice as we are serving others or we're giving to others and we have to sacrifice to give to others. And that stretches, that challenges us. I I was early this week, I was at uh, Starbucks uh, studying, working on this message, actually, in you know, I was there in the corner, just a few feet away from where people picked up their drinks. And I was kind of feeling pretty good, you know, about the fact that I was studying the Bible. I was feeling pretty good about the fact, you know, I'm working on my sermon and I'm really enjoying this space. And I have my coffee and I, I'm working on the message, right? I'm feeling pretty good. This young lady walks in, probably mid-twenties, very classy, dressed very well. She walks in. And she had ordered probably on the app and she's picking up her drinks and she picked up four uh, looked like lattes or coffees or something, hot coffees in, you know, the little coffee carrier, the four place coffee carrier. She had the four cups and then they handed her two bags with like croissants or bagels in it, something to eat and a bottle of orange juice. And and so she's maybe, you know, six, seven feet away and there's a table right here and she turns and she starts walking towards this lady that's sitting right beside me. And this lady, by the way, has like a chunk of hair missing here. Her nose is completely scarred and scabbed over and she's missing teeth and her hair is colored and she has a bunch of stuff on the table that it was broken and disarray and 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 this mismatched clothes. She, she was a homeless. She was a homeless lady. She's homeless. Just sitting in there. And this lady, this young lady turns and she walks over, hands this lady the two bags of food and the orange juice. And she says, have a good day. And she walks out. I thought for certain that she would step into a Mercedes or an actor or, you know, something nice. And I looked at her, this classy young lady, and she steps into this car. I think it maybe was a Nissan, an old Nissan, probably 15 years old. And the bumper was dented in the, and, or the fender was dented in and the bumper was gone and there was a missing hubcap. I mean, she, she had a car that was barely working. And she gave the food to the lady beside me that I had not even given a second thought to. I sat there like this. Really humiliated. Spiritual awakening does not result in a greater awareness of self, but positions us to be comfortable enough to set self aside to help others. To be comfortable enough to set self aside to help others. You know, this is so important. It's important enough to be golden. We call it the golden rule. To love your neighbor as thyself. You see, spiritual awakening, church, results in this this unconditional love. And, And we will not be able to stop ourselves. We will not be able to help ourselves in in pouring out and sharing this love with others. And, And then part of that leads us to the next sign of spiritual awakening, which is discernment. 
You shall know the truth, right? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But the fact is, you see, if we're not there and the Holy Spirit's, you know, and we're not where we need to be in our relationship. You see, the fact is sin is fuzzy. And that's a funny phrase, I know. But hang with me. Sin is fuzzy. Because everything about life is just not clear when a heart is not right with God. Anybody agree with me about that? Sin is fuzzy. Our own thinking tends to be in a fog without the presence of the Lord in our life. Sin is fuzzy. All the important things that have real value is out of focus without Jesus. And the most crystal clear moment a person can experience is while in spiritual awakening. And scripture mentions this. The truth will be unclear even to the unbeliever. And even, you know, for that unbeliever, they might not even be able to discern what truth is. That's what the scripture says. And so, you see, this is key. I mean, this sign of, of a spiritual awakening is, is discernment because it unleashes a, a spiritual common sense that really is not all that common, but it's matched by nothing else. Nothing else matches the value of this, the spiritual common sense. And then, man, the discernment begins to be poured out upon us by the Holy Spirit as we are filled by the Holy Spirit. And then there's this peace and joy, which is the next sign of spiritual awakening. That accompanies the spiritual awakening, this peace and joy. And someone once said, well, well, pastor, considering how poor I am or how sad my circumstances are or how much pain I'm always in or how alone I am because I have no spouse, how can I have peace and joy? Well, this is like asking, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, first, let me respond to that by saying this, that peace and joy is not physical comfort, nor is it the temporary happiness that this world wants to sell us on. But peace and joy, I propose that peace and joy comes from the depths of one's heart, from one who has encountered the truth of the living God, who is the creator of all things, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of your life, who gave you breath. It sets you on the right path. It is a truth that comes to us because he loves us. Truth that is his plan is perfect and that he desires relationship with you. The truth that today is not forever, but forever is just around the corner, right? The truth that God adds value to your life, not in this world and the things of this world, but in relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the truth that sets us free and peace and joy comes from knowing God. I mean, really, really, really knowing God. And when you really know God, and you let Him know you, He already knows you, but when you really know God, then there's this this deep peace and this joy that will overcome you, and you'll be blessed, and God will pour His will and His power and His strength in your life, and you will be set free. And that leads to the next spiritual waking sign. You know what it is? Freedom. It's freedom. God gives us the opportunity to transcend the notion of fads and popularity and purpose in life that's bigger than ourselves. In fact, is I, my, my personal freedom came in recognizing that, you know, it's not that I have to please anybody else or please the church or please, you know, my family. It's that God has called me to please him. To please him, my creator. And if I learn how to please him, listen now, follow me. To learn how to please him and to honor him. Then all of a sudden these things, these relationships and ethics and then the work and and all the goals that I have and everything else begins to fall into place. 
Because I'm desiring to please my Father in heaven. And as I learn to please my Father in heaven, everything begins to fall in place. And all these other things become secondary because God is primary. That's what he calls us to. And when there's spiritual awakening, you see, chung, 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 all these things begin to fall in place. And then there's a renewed interest in scripture. And you see, because, you know, not because we are glorifying a book, but because it's now all about God. You see, spiritual awakening, that's what happens. Now it's all about God, and so we want to know God. We want to hear from God. We, we want his answers. We want his direct direction in life, and we find that in the word of God. Because, you see, we love God, and there's a spiritual awakening that has happened. You see, the jeller, the jeller, he asked the right question. He said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's response, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll be saved. And maybe that's your response this morning. Maybe your response is, um, I'm going to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to believe in Jesus. Because maybe you've not come to that place and it's not just hasn't clicked yet. And now there's something happening right now in your mind, in your heart. It's clicking and you're saying, yeah, I, I want to I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Or maybe possibly and let me have your attention just for a moment longer. And possibly it might be that it's it's a spiritual awakening that the Lord is laying on your heart right now that you want God to bring something Alive in you and you want the spiritual awakening. So all these things begin to fall in place. And I believe that God wants to do that. I believe he wants to disrupt us. He wants to disrupt your life. He wants to do something fresh. He wants your relationship with him to be as fresh as it possibly can be. Because he wants to bring that spiritual awakening to you. And I don't know about you, but I I desire that for myself every week. But especially this morning, I'm just sensing the presence of God. God trying to say something to my heart. And I want to feel his presence. I want him to Lord to speak to me and, and, and talk to me and convict me. Whatever it is that I need to hear, I want to hear it from Jesus. I want to invite us to stand together. And I, I, uh. I just want to give us an opportunity to respond to the Lord, not to me, not the pastor. But I want to invite us to respond to the Lord and this idea that God wants to bring spiritual, a spiritual awakening, a spiritual freshness that is current, a spiritual freshness that is current and for today, right now. And so I want to invite you just to bow your head and close your eyes. Invite you just begin to just talk with God. Just whisper to him. Let's pray. This is prayer time. We'll enjoy the music as they play in the background. That's awesome. But Lord, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, Lord, I know that there's a work that you want to do. I know, Lord, that you want to bring a a spiritual awakening to that heart or a spiritual awakening to that soul. And so, Lord, I just pray that, Lord, as we hear your voice, that we would respond to your voice. And that we'd be obedient and say, Lord, I want that spiritual awakening for me. It begins with brokenness. It begins with being broken. Broken before the Lord. It's when all else fails. The world is left us high and dry. We realize that the one that does not leave us nor forsake us is Jesus Christ. And he wants to bring spiritual renewal, a spiritual awakening to you this morning. 
pray that way. Whisper that prayer. If you desire that in your heart and there's this passion that's coming alive in you right now and you're saying, Lord, I want to be spiritually awakened by you and the Holy Spirit. I need your spirit to fill me. I need your anointing and I want this anointing fresh and this morning pray that way today right now. Don't leave the sanctuary. Don't get out of this place of worship unless you're praying what the Lord's laying on your heart right now. Precious Father in heaven, our heads are bowed, eyes closed. Lord, we're worshiping you. We, We began, Lord, in this place of recognizing that there is power in your name. We sang about your name and Lord, so we're turning back to you now. As we think about these things and we pray, Lord, that you would renew us. We ask, Father, that you would just awaken our spirit to your spirit and that your Holy Spirit would come into us and fill us. Lord Jesus, fill us, Lord, I pray. I'm praying that way right now. Lord Jesus, fill me. Lord Jesus, give me the spiritual waking, Lord. I know that that only comes from you, not from Anything that's manufactured or superficial or temporary, but Lord, a spiritual awakening that comes from the presence of your Holy Spirit in my life. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come into our hearts. We invite you to come into our lives right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way with us this morning. We're praying that way right now. We're saying, Lord, just come in and fill me. I want that spiritual awakening. I need that spiritual awakening this morning. I need your holy touch today, right now, Lord, that just bring this to me fresh and new, that you might be lifted and you might be glorified in that. Our heads bowed and eyes closed. You're praying that way for your your life, your heart right now. Would you just lift your hand right there where you're at? You're saying, Lord, I want that spiritual newness in my life. I want that spiritual awakening today. Just lift your hand right there, wherever you're at. Just lifting your hand right now. Jesus, Lord, I'm claiming that for myself. I need that right now. I need, Lord, to be renewed. You know I've been weary. You know I've been tired. I've been fighting the same demons over and over again. So, Lord, bring me a spiritual awakening and newness in my life like I haven't had for maybe a long, long time. Lord Jesus, I thank you for hearing these prayers. I thank you, Father in heaven, that, Lord, that you're stirring our hearts. You're doing something inside of us that maybe you're doing for the first time or maybe it's just a reminder And so we worship you today. Your name is great. We worship you, Father. Thank you for speaking today. Thank you, God, for your your plan. Thank you, Father, for, for your forgiveness and your mercy. We worship you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.